Tanya for Yud Gimel Tevis is Perik Yud Aleph. I would like to uh, dedicate today's Tanya class um, my father, Rav Shalom, Rav Yitzchak ben Rav Leizet Zvizev, that uh, he should Mazali uh, Goyver means Rav explains even La'achar uh, Misa, and therefore he should uh, keep on giving his family and his Mushpoim Bracha and uh, look after them, as well as for Kant Klaus will be a Melitzgeshir and the man of Eivishu that he should bring Mashiach. In chapters 9 and 10, the Altarebbe began in chapter 9 describing the battlefield, so to speak, between the Nevesh Elikiz and the Nevesh Bahamas. And in chapter 10, he spoke about how the Tzaddik has the ability to have his Nevesh Elikiz overpower and um, banish the Nevesh Bahamas, and therefore be able to be fully devoted and connected to serving Hashem. In chapter 11, the Alter Rebbe gives us the other extreme, the opposite extreme, where the Nevesh Bahamas is victorious, and, um, and therefore the person becomes subservient to the Nevesh Bahamas' desires, the Nevesh Bahamas' wants. And then in the following chapter, chapters 12 and then 13, 14, continuation would be the way the outcome would be for the Bainini, as the Bainini deals with this challenge, and that will be obviously the main thrust of the purpose of the Sefer Shalbaninim, is to discuss how the Bainini, which we all have that potential to reach, would deal with the battle. But however, we are Halavai Bainini, as Altarebbe will say later. Chapter 11 is a very crucial chapter because it highlights what to us probably is extremely relatable and uh, something that we probably all um, know either consciously or subconsciously, but the Alter Rebbe spells it out in a very clear way and uh, explains to us where this is coming from. As uh, sometimes you go to a therapist to understand certain causes and certain behaviors that a person has, so although you may know about it, or you may understand it on some level, but then to put it together and give you a very concise, clear picture of what's going on is extremely, not only more, not only helpful, but it's extremely um, uh, proactive in, in the sense of now helping to move on and to allow one to take stock of what's really going on and appreciate why they struggle and what's the cause of their struggle. So as mentioned, chapter 11, we'll be discussing the outcome of where the Nevesh Bahamas um, really takes control. However, it's important to note that throughout the entire chapter, unlike by the Tzaddik, where the Tzaddik could have purely just the Nevesh kiss being in control and the Nevesh Bahamas actually being transformed into being utilized in the service of God, even by the Russia, even the Russia Virali, the, the lower, level of Russia. As we're going to see, there's this parallel system between the two levels of Tzaddik to the two levels of Russia. There's the Russia of Etoivli and the Russia of Arale, as the Gemara calls them. Even the lower level of Russia has deep subconsciously the inspiration or the awareness of the Nevesh Elikis. And therefore, at the end of the day, a Yid, as the Gemara says, Yisrael, Afafi Shechot, Yisrael, who? 
which basically means that the innermost essence of a Jew is always connected to God, and at times it becomes sort of more, the person becomes more conscious of it, and the person is able to actually utilize that, uh, grab the moment, so to speak, of being aware of their Nevesheli kiss and implementing some good in their life. So even one who has gone so far as being totally cut off consciously from the Nevesheli kiss, as we'll describe at the end of the chapter, even such a person has their moments and their feelings of connection, because at the end of the day, a Jew is a chilek as we explained in chapter 2, is a chilek mamish, and therefore, essentially, is a part of God, and therefore, it's not possible for a Jew to completely go off to the point where they'll never have any awakening of tshuva, any awakening of the nefesh kiss, and therefore, even when we speak about a rasha, we're not talking about a rasha as a natural disposition that remains this way or is intended to be this way, but rather more of a state that the person goes into and uh, sometimes is in that in state for longer periods of time than another than 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 others. Um, and as Altarebel highlight the various levels of where a person has the Nevsha Bahamas being in control and to what extent is he in control in quality and quantity over the person and over the person's body and the desires and controlling the person's um, behavior and impulsive um, reactions to things. Um, but again, it's, it's a state that the person goes through. For some people, the state may last for quite a long time. For other people, it's just a moment where the person loses that ability to be in the control and therefore the Nevesh Bahamas takes the best of him. Um, the two levels perhaps could be described as a difference of someone being obsessive versus addicted. Although this is not probably a very good clinical description of what's going on here, but at least to use as an analogy the difference between someone who's obsessive versus someone who's addicted. An obsessive person is someone that needs to do something or wants to do something because it gives them pleasure or makes them feel good, and it's something that they um, are pretty, uh, pretty absorbed into it. An addict is someone who doesn't even appreciate anymore what they're doing, but uh, that's the only thing they know. They have lost the abilities and the control to be able to even help themselves. So, although that's not exactly precisely what's going on over here, because as Dal-Tareba will point out that even the Tzadik Virali has the abilities at times to be aware of the Nevshala Kiss, but in the sense of just constantly relapsing and constantly falling back into the state of the Nevesha Bahamas, the negative, impulsive, reactive state, the selfish, egotistical state, is something that the Rosh Aloi is uh, very keen on doing. And um, although there's constant feelings, perhaps, of uh, feelings of perhaps, you know, this is wrong, maybe at moments, there's some moments of tshuva, but in essence, there's no real regret, there's no real understanding, there's no real appreciation of why this is wrong or unhealthy or not the way they should be living their lives. It's different, obviously, because an addict is someone that actually could appreciate that they're doing something wrong, they just can't help themselves. In this case, the person may not even consciously aware, be aware of what they're doing is wrong. As uh, the Rebbe Rashab explains in uh, Kunjus Umayon, that 
a person, the, the idea the Gemara says that Ruach Shtus, that a person doesn't sin unless a Ruach Shtus enters him, means that the person is, is sort of overwhelmed by this certain like um, unrational, irrational thought, this irrational thought that makes the person feel that they should actually choose the derech hamovas, the derech harava hamovas, which the Torah describes, the Torah says, "Ubchart of Achaim, that you should choose life, and, uh, and, and the person thinks that actually doing what the Nevesh of Hamas wants is sort of giving them life. The person sometimes feels that being connected to their phones all day, social media, watching certain things, whatever it may be, is sort of like the way they see themselves actually um, feeling a sense of life. Or even if it's not to that extreme of real unproductive elements, but just a person who just wastes a lot of time or just constantly has no interest in doing the right thing, to them they could actually believe that for them this is the healthiest thing, that for them this is what is going to keep them afloat. Religion may be too overwhelming to start thinking. Certain people who suffer from OCDs, religion could become very difficult. Such a thing as uh, becoming OCD bahalocha, where the person becomes uh, obsessive about uh, whether they're doing the halacha correctly. So certain individuals may feel that religion is too hard for them. So therefore they really believe that for them the right path is maybe not following religion. Be that as it may, whichever way we look at it, the point is is that the person is too caught up. The Nebuchadnezzar Hamas has too much of a stronghold on the person, and therefore consciously the person's outlook and, 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 and reality and perspective is within the Nebuchadnezzar Hamas's framework and within the Nebuchadnezzar Hamas's way of thinking. So that is the lower level, which Dr. Rebbe will describe at the end of the chapter. But the majority of this chapter is focusing on the many different levels of the tzaddik v'toivloi, the rasha v'toivloi, that the rasha could be a rasha, meaning he could sin, but he's v'toivloi. Primarily, he has the awakenings of being good. And as Alter Rebbe described, there's a certain spectrum between those that are more obsessive, so to speak, in the sense that they constantly or more readily are going to do certain sins, let's say waste time, lush and horror, litsonis, you know, things that the Gemara already says are things that uh, people don't, uh, they're, don't uh, have an easy time with, you know, stopping. And uh, certain permissible thoughts, um, uh, certain uh, prohibited thoughts, um, and, and so on and so forth. Those are things that we're very accustomed to. So some people, it just happens for a moment and they right away catch themselves and they don't let it last for too long and other people just allow it to keep on going and only after they finished allowing themselves to waste their time or to have these thoughts that they're not allowed to, the inappropriate thoughts or whatever it is, or say the Lush and Hora or, or, or watch whatever they're not supposed to be watching, um, do they have all of a sudden the feeling of guilt and the, the sense of that they shouldn't have been doing this? And as al says, that Rishoyim Aleim Charotas, that uh, the Gemara says that Rishoyim Aleim Charotas is this idea that they constantly feel like they're doing what they shouldn't be doing, but they sort of are like, okay, next time I won't do it. But they, are, they don't really make a full conscious aware, awareness of it to the point that they're actually willing to change and, and let the Nevesh of Ahamas um, not control them. 
So in essence, what happens is, is that because the Nefesh Muhammad is dominant over them, so therefore they, uh, they're very susceptible to the Nefesh Muhammad's desires, so he may not be so aggressive that he completely has cut off their feelings and connections to God, to the Nefesh Lakis, but uh, he pretty much, when he wants, he allows, or when it wants, it uh, takes control and, and its desires is what's ruling the person. Um, it is interesting just to point out that when we're saying that the person is the Rishoyim Malayim Haratas, is that this idea of constantly feeling the sense of regret, so that itself creates a lot of negativity. It's actually an idea in psychology that, you know, the more regret you have, you actually build up more negativity and therefore in itself actually causes for a person to have a relapse. Um, so although the Alter is going to explain how this actually is coming from a place of toy within the person, the fact that he still has an Evshel, a kiss constantly telling him that what he's doing is wrong, that means he has this moral or godly compass to say that this is wrong and therefore I shouldn't be acting this way, not that he's in that much of control of stopping it, but um, in a sense, the, the charata that he has is obviously not sincere. And since it's not sincere, it actually could be fueling even further negativity. Um, but uh, in the context here, it seems to be more referring to charata as a tshuva, which the person actually does sincerely feel that he's doing something wrong. But it's like the person who's trying to be uh, on a diet and he eats certain foods that he knows he shouldn't be eating. And he's like, okay, I, I feel so bad. I feel awful. And, and, and he tells everybody that I feel so bad that I ate the food and I'm not going to do it again because I feel so bad. It doesn't make me feel good. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm now too tired. I can't learn, whatever it may be. But uh, how much, how, how objective has that person really been to the fact that this thing is harmful to him? How much has he really taken stock of how bad it is? So by the tzaddik, he recognizes for what are, that, that, that this is really bad. And as we mentioned in chapter 10, this is something which is most, it's actually despicable to him. By someone who has an Nefesh Bahamas in control, he doesn't really see how bad it is. He's not objective to the realities of the Nefesh Bahamas and to its, uh, its desires. It's, he's very subjective and he just recognizes from the Nefesh Lakis's perspective that it's wrong, but it doesn't fully penetrate and it's something that he doesn't internalize to the fact to, to, to actually change and to actually make a, a, a full-on tshuva that he's going to actually never return back to that way. Obviously, there's always that chance and there's always the ability for him to do that and that's the power of tshuva is that the person could make that that decision to say that I'm not going to go back to that previous uh, way of behavior and recognize for what it really is and how destructive it really is but um, the Alter Rebbe is describing in the state of being a Russia is that you could still have the moments of objectivity, the moments of clarity from the Nefesh Elikis and recognizing that what you're doing is not proper, what you're doing is not healthy, what you're doing is not productive and quite the contrary, but it doesn't fully penetrate, it doesn't, you're not fully aware on its fullest objective level of what it's doing to you and therefore you could have a very easy relapse, the Nefesh Bahamas when he wants will kick right back in and have you do the same thing again. So this is the basic outline of what chapter 11 is discussing. And uh, the, as I said, as I started off saying, this is something that we all could relate to. Uh, most of us um, relate to the fact that we sometimes have the Nefesh Bahamas getting the best of us. And as al will say, that he's called a Russia Be'es Hahi, that at that moment that the person is doing what he's doing wrong, he's called a Russia. He's not called a Russia permanently, but he's a Russia for that moment. In fact, 
Alpidin, the fact he may be called a tzaddik, as, as, as he's done shuva to some extent, or in certain areas of halacha, he's uh, maybe considered a tzaddik because he's, he, he does more, tzaddik, more good things and bad things, as Alter explained in chapter 1. But in terms of what Alter is describing, the disposition, the, the, the battle, the winning of the war, he's a Russia at that moment, he's become a full-fledged Russia, but it's, it's a state that the person is in that, uh, so to speak, disables him from being able to be objective, from being able to be aware of his ultimate inner self and his ultimate purpose of why he's here, and to appreciate that staying away from these things and these desires are actually more healthy, more productive, more positive, but he can't really fully see that. So the Altarebbe begins chapter Yud Aleph by saying, Again, as he started off chapter 6, when he wanted a contrast with the kiss here as well, when he wants a contrast between the two levels of the Tzadik with the Rosh, he says, That there's a the Rosh of the Tzadik his counterpart is the Tzadik Herali. Just like the Tzadik Herali, we mentioned that he's primarily a Tzadik, but he has some Ra that is bottled, that is completely nullified to him. Here also, the Russia, he has a primarily strong Russia side, the sense that he could fall and be caught up by his side of the Nefesh Bahamas, but he's still betoivli. <speaking in Hebrew> That the good, which stems from his nefeshilakis, which is in his brain, as we just mentioned in chapter nine, and the right um, ventricle of the heart, is 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 subjugated and and completely um, uh, bottled to the ra, to the to the negative that's from the clip on the left side shibuchol asmoli, and uh, therefore even when he has the recognition of the toiv at some points, there could be that highlight, that moment of recognition. But still, the Nevesh Bahamas is in control. And just like we mentioned by the different levels of the Tzadik Arale, that there could be thousands of different levels here as well, there could be thousands of different levels in the level of Russia Vitoibloi, which is the fact that in, in quality and quantity, to what extent is he going to be caught up in that area, which parts of his body how much of the time is he involved in it, and so on and so forth, as Alter will go on to now explain. There's some people that their sinning is some very small, minute amount, and even then, in this, it's not continuous, or not continuous, or it's not, um, it's not, it's, it's not um, something that he does on a continuous basis. It's not constant or continuous. Leprokim Kravim, in a very quick succession, one from the other. Rather, they're at longer intervals of time. Miskaber Haral is when the evil takes over, the negative side takes over. You take an example, like for a person who has, you know, states of depression, bouts of depression. So he's more susceptible to being depressed. There's certain personality types that have certain dispositions where they're more susceptible to being depressed. So such types of people, they have their bouts of depression that kick, come in, and at those t- times they get negative and down and lose interest and motivation, etc., etc., etc. So on a some on onto some level, there's also this idea here as well, is that the person over here is susceptible to his nefesh bahamis, 
but it doesn't have to come, it doesn't have to be constant or continuous. It's, it's something that could come up, it could emerge every once in a while where there's an urge and there's a feeling to do something bad and therefore the Ra, since again the Nebuchadnezzar Hamas is, pri- is primarily in charge, so that Ra will overcome the Toy, the Kavish of and conquer this small city. So here again, the Altreb is highlighting that it's not constant and the person could be primarily be doing good. He could be Isaac and Torah, mitzvahs, doing the right things. But again, the Nemesh of Bahamas is very strong, so whenever it gets, gets its, whenever it wants something, it gets its way. Um, but even then, it doesn't get in his entire body involved. Only a part of the body, only a certain particular part of the person is involved in the action at that time of doing the sin and becomes a chariot, as we mentioned on the other level by Elikos. Here becomes a chariot to, to Klippa at that moment, in a garment through which the Nevisha Bahamas could guard itself, one of the three garments that we mentioned earlier, either he just has some action he does, to do light averis, meaning ones that are not as severe in punishment versus the more severe ones, or just in speech, just to say things which are the Gemara lists things which are not full-fledged Rosh and Hara, but they borderline Rosh and Hara relate sonos, or just trying to you know, be a joker and, a, you know, be uh, sarcastic a lot, or he's just using his thoughts, meaning in his mind, in his actions and speeches, he's just, he's pure, but in his thoughts, he has, he's thinking about um, non-kosher thoughts, which are hakoshim and as the Gemara Yuba describes, is even more detrimental than the actual Avera itself, and the Avera that we're referring to here is the thought of, of inappropriate thoughts about um, um, sexual um, thoughts and things like that. Even, and the Altarab says, even if the person, when he's thinking about it, doesn't actually think of actually doing these this, these actions, which which he's not allowed to think about. It's just he's thinking at the time, he's having thoughts of, uh, of have, about intimacy and thoughts about men and women together and so on and so forth, which is uh, in violation of what the Torah says, that the Nishmart called over And as the Gemara Ksuba says, that a person shouldn't, be, uh, shouldn't see certain things during the day because that will make them have these thoughts at night and so on and so forth. There's a prohibition of thinking about sexual thoughts, period. And just to note something about the power of the sexual mind and something which today's day has been extremely uh, an increasing problem by teenagers and alike, even adults, is the sexual addictions, the addictions of pornography and so on and so forth, that these, these addictions are, are severe and they actually, um, to a major level, paralyze the person's ability to have a clear thinking mind and they corrupt the person on a very, very deep level. And uh, to, uh, in my understanding of the Gemara, that Hebrew Havera is Kosher Mahavera, nowadays it's very understood, this, this line, by saying that just the thoughts, just being, just watching certain things, and you're not actually doing any of them, you're just watching them, even if you're masturbating, even if you're doing Hashkosazara, but just the mere fact that you're constantly, you have these thoughts in your mind, so it, it, it programs in your mind. And therefore, even if you try to overcome it down the road, two, three years later, that thoughts keep on coming and it holds you back tremendously. It's a very, very 
um, big issue is sort of a pandemic by a lot of the youth today and it plays a major role in one's ability to feel motivated and, and especially motivated in doing their Torah mitzvahs and serving Hashem and they feel very a lot of shame and a lot of sense of uh, disgust or maybe even the contrary they become very caught up in this in this in these pleasures and thoughts and that uh, could lead to action and so on and so forth but either way it is the author here is saying is that the person here is just involved in either one of the three garments in Maisa deeper or Mechshova or even if it's not, maybe it's just that he has an opportune time to learn. This is something we could all relate to, that the guy, a person, you know, we sometimes have an extra moment during the day where we're not doing anything, we're not expected to be doing anything either with our spouses or our children or friends or in school, whatever it is, and we could sit and learn. Instead, we decide to waste our time. As the Mishnah says, and Obis Hanir Balayla Mafna Libay, that someone who's up at night, and he just lets his mind wander with empty, stupid, random thoughts. In other words, instead of getting up and, and learning, he's going to waste his mind and waste his time watching videos, going on YouTube, and so on and so forth. All of these things, that at any, any doing any of these things, so at that moment, he has become a Russia. So even the mere simplest avera of action or speech or thought, or just wasting time, opportune time to learn, to, to, to go on your phone and to waste it and so on and so forth, at that moment he has become a Russia. Why? Because at that moment the evil, the negative that's in his soul has been victorious and powers over him and therefore becomes, uh, makes the person sin and actually makes the person impure. And then right afterwards he recognizes and realizes that what he just did is not productive and is unhealthy and is against God's wishes. So then the good that's within the Nefshalakis wakes up and he now has regret from what he did. He recognizes, oh, what did I just do? I just wasted time. What did I think about? I was just thinking about thoughts I'm not to think about. What words did I just use, etc., etc. And he's going to ask forgiveness from God. And we know for sure God is going to forgive him. If he just does a proper based on the advice given by the Chacham and the Gemara and Yuma in the parak of the Kapar, the, the Brice of Rabbi Huda, which uh, of Rabbi Shmuel, Commissions will explain at length in Yigeras HaTshuva, the different forms of doing tshuva, but the point is, is that right afterwards a person could do a sincere tshuva, and then he would be considered bedin, a tzaddik, um, because he's actually, um, he's reached the point of where he's, as Al-Tarebbe explained there in, in, in chapter one, as soon as you do tshuva properly, you're called a tzaddik again. But nevertheless, at this point, he's lowered his soul into the state of a rush. He's allowed this Nevesh Bahamas to take control. And therefore, through this very small action, he's been called a Russia. So this is someone on the lower spectrum of Russia. But then there's one who's a little bit more susceptible to Ra at a, lot, at a greater pace, with a little bit more intensity, with a little bit more obsessiveness. All three Lubushim get involved at once. And the type of sin is on a greater level, worse are who eat and crave more frequently. But even such a person, there's still in between, you know, every, every between each Avera, he's, he realizes that he's doing something wrong, he has regret, that a little bit of the good from Zlem Shalkis wakes up and 
gives him a feeling of wanting to do tshuva. But But still, as we mentioned before, he's too caught up in the Nebuchadnezzar Bahamas, he's too in control, so he doesn't fully objectively recognize and realize how bad and what he's doing. So even the Heruri Tshuva don't actually actualize in real Tshuva, meaning unlike the first category, the first level of the Rosh Ravit uh, the Rosh Vatoyvle is that he actually does tshuva, he does a proper tshuva, he, he, he since it's so infrequent when he sins, so when he does and he does a proper tshuva, so he has still more of the Mayakshalata lived, still he has the more of the objectivity. Versus this type of person has already gone a little bit too far, and for him, he's he's doesn't even fully recognize and appreciate the 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 what he's doing, and therefore he doesn't re- really recognize completely the moedah to let go of doing what he's doing. It's like the smoker who realizes that it's unhealthy to smoke, but doesn't really fully appreciate that smoking is unhealthy. And therefore, yeah, they say after every cigarette, they're like, "I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop," but they don't really mean they're going to stop. It's it's they can't. It's something that is it's, it becomes a need for them. Uh, maybe the word obsession is the wrong word here, but it's a it's a need, a very deep need that the person can't just let go of, and therefore, even if they recognize that it's bad, but it doesn't actually bring out a full sense of tshuva. And this is what the Gemara tells us in Darim, Rishoyim Malayim Charotas, that Rishoyim are full of regret, meaning that they constantly have regrets, which these are the majority of Rishoyim, so most Rishoyim fall under this category, says the Altar Rebbe of Roshu that they have moments of regret, they have moments of recognizing the truth, and moments where they're still conscious of the fact that they're doing their wrong. Some actually implement that and actually do tshuva, and therefore they don't actually really sin as often, but there's others that uh, can't help themselves as much, and, but they still have a recognition, a conscious recognition of what's, of what's right and what's wrong. They still have that godly compass, so to speak, to recognize that their behaviors is not actually productive or healthy, and actually to some extent, maybe slowly but surely could eat at them to recognize that it's time to wake up. However, Dal Rebbe finishes off, Ach, Mishinim is hardly Eilam. Someone who never has any regret. Never has a moment of where he thinks he needs to do tshuva. Nikra Roshav Arali. Such a person is the Roshav Arali. The only thing he has is Ra. He has no good whatsoever. The good has been completely like chased out of him. It's been completely removed from him. But the Rebbe mentions it doesn't remove completely that he has no attachment to good, because no Jew is such a type of, falls onto the such categories as we said, Yisrael Afshechot Yisrael, but it's Oymid B'chines Makif Alav it still remains subconscious or unconscious by him. That means it doesn't come into his consciousness, and therefore he doesn't, doesn't ever do tshuva. You find, unfortunately, such yidin. Uh, most of us don't relate, perhaps, to this, but there are yidin that don't necessarily think that what they're doing is wrong, and they're very happy with them being atheists or not wanting to do anything that is terror mitzvahs. And quite, quite the contrary, they're very happy with doing their living their lives of ra. But at the end of the day, there's moments where you could stir within them that makif, that directing that nitzitzelikus, as Alter Rebbe will discuss in chapter 18, etc. This idea that every Jew really still has this idea and ability to tap into this makif. But again, it's a very deep, deep conscious state that doesn't really come out in his forefront of his consciousness. And that's why the Gemara tells us in Sanhedrin, that whenever you have a collection of 10 Jews, the Shekhin is there. What does Alter Rebbe want to prove from that? Alter Rebbe wants to prove that even though you could have a minion, and part of the minion could have Rishoyim, in fact, 
the idea of a tzibor, tzibor stands for tzaddik, beinim, v'rishoyim. And the idea of having a rush as part of the minion is something which is quite important, especially on Yom Kippur. So you could have a minion made up of ten Jews, and some of them could be rishoyim. And despite that, it still becomes a mokim kedusha. It still becomes a place of holiness. And the reason is, is because in the makif, in the, in the subconscious or unconscious realm, the ten Jews coming together creates a space of holiness, because even such a Jew has the holiness of his nefshalakis there. So either way, he consciously doesn't feel any need for regret. He consciously doesn't feel any connection to his nefshalakis, elikis, but he's still connected, and therefore he has the power to be mitzdar flaminion. Obviously, we know there's certain avarice that a person does that he can't be mitzdar flaminion. That's a separate set of that's a set of separate discussion in Aries and halacha. But either way, the point is, Al-Tarev is saying that every Jew has within him still, to some extent, toiv, but it may be more makif than pinimi. So, in conclusion, chapter 11 is something which, again, sounds very relevant in the sense that we can relate to most of it, in the sense that we do sometimes fall and we have these challenges, and the moments of challenges, a lot of times we allow the Nefesh of Bahamas to overtake us. But as Al-Tarev is going to now move on to say in chapter 12, 13, and 14, etc., that really what we know we could strive and the, the power of knowledge being empowered through the knowledge that we could strive and to control our impulse to be able to control our Nevesha Bahamas and to control its impact on us is something which is highly important for us to know to be able to appreciate that even though we may go through states of being a Russia we eventually could then get out of that state and actually get into the state of a Bainini which we'll see in the following chapters how that actually plays out and how in a sense, this is really where we all really feel our essence being revealed.